0: Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Everyone in Ruthie Arumala's life knew she was going to be a doctor, except Ruthie. She had a ton of big ideas about fashion, interior design, and being a physician to the stars until her brother's untimely death and a trip to Botswana where she got first-hand experience with women's global health. After understanding how cervical cancer changed a woman's life, body, and personal identity, she knew she found her calling. Ruthie details her grief after her brother's death and how empathy has changed her as a person and as a physician. We talk about a woman's relationship with her doctor, what women still don't know about their bodies, and her awareness that we manage sex through fear in most cultures. She also discusses sexual assault from the perspective of a physician and a woman's right advocate. Dr. Ruthie Arumala is a Georgetown University trained OBGYN with a passion to discuss health in a way that is accessible to every woman. The sole OBGYN at Texas Hughley Medical Associates in Mansfield, Texas, she takes care of a range of OBGYN concerns but specializes in care for PCOS, fibroids, and infertility. Dr. Ruthie is also the host of the Pretty in Pink podcast, in order to empower women to make better decisions when it comes to their personal health and well-being. Dr. Arumala also digs into the importance of modeling behavior and how her mother became her mentor. There is no do as I say, not as I do. She talks about choosing your mentors, curating your own social media experiences, and why it's important to shoot your shot when asking someone to mentor you. Let's dig in. I am so thrilled to have on with me today Dr. Rufi Arumala. Uh, She is an OBGYN with a podcast and a purpose. Thank you so much for being on my show. It is my pleasure to be here. I love what you're doing. I was just sharing um, with the good doctor that before we got started that I love talking to women, especially in professional spaces who are helping women. And I know that you have a podcast um, called, is it Pretty and Pink?, and pretty, think yes. Yeah, and where you're sharing what you know about um, uh, women being a doctor and uh, talking about wellness. and I just love what you're doing and it's it's career with purpose. and I wanted to dig into that with you and find out what led you on this path. Why did you choose um, this specific uh, kind of uh, route as far as medicine is concerned, and how does that play into what you're doing in, in life? Jeanette, um, I, I would say that
1: I never really knew that I was going to be a physician. I was always told that because I happened to be one of those girls that, or one of those kids that was always somewhere in the top of my class. Um, I graduated from high school at, as a valedictorian, first black female valedictorian in my county in Maryland. And I also was—I had about, I think, seventy-something credits for college, including AP classes wow. and taking some university classes. So of course, all my counselors, everybody was like, "You know, you're smart, so you're going to be a doctor." Like
0: <laughs> that's it, just it,
1: how it was. And I actually wanted to prove them all wrong. I wanted to be this, like, you know, totally wanted to be a sex therapist. I hadn't had sex. I didn't know what (laughs) sex was, but I knew it was going to be cool to talk to people about their like most intimate parts of their beings. And I thought, okay, well, my older sisters, they're into fashion. I had a sister who is a fashion model and she had a clothing line. She actually opened the clothing line the same year that I was graduating from high school, 2003. So I thought, oh my God, they're the most fabulous. She's like, the most fabulous human being you've ever met. And I wanted to be her. And then my other sister was a wedding planner or more like event planner. So I thought, okay, I could be like her. I could do interior decorating and then we'll have the trifecta. And so I like deviated away from it, but for some reason I kept being pushed back in, being pushed back in. So I took my MCAS, which is the entrance exam and I did really well on it, like freakishly well on it, and that was kind of unheard of, right, because a lot of people, that is the deterrent is that that exam is so crazy, Mm -hmm. and I actually did a lot of, in retrospect, self-sabotage in that my parents paid for a Princeton Review course who back then was like $1,800, and I would like, I went to the class twice, Mm -hmm. I went to a 12 week class twice. I like would come up with all these ideas as to how I shouldn't do this. And it just kept pushing me back. But as I got older and I got into, I started doing a master's in public health. And I started realizing that although I thought, okay, I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna like, now I've deviated away from just trying to be like my sisters and I wanted to leave my own legacy. And I was like 21 thinking about my legacy. And I wanted to change the world. I wanted to change African countries, how medicine is seen all across the world. But when I was doing that, I realized I knew a lot about the epidemiology, the prevalence, the incidence of different diseases, but I had absolutely no idea what diabetes was. Mm. I didn't know what a a myocardial infarction was. I didn't know what blood clots in your legs and lungs really meant. I just knew that they exist, a lot of people have them, and we gotta stop this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, me wanting to like dive deeper, just like you say, dive deeper. Me wanting to really get into the nitty gritty of like diseases, conditions, I really felt the need that I needed to become an expert in that field. And so that's why I chose to go into medicine. And I chose to go into medicine also because I was that superficial, right? I thought I'm going to be the doctor to the stars. I'm going to be (laughs) the dermatologist to the stars. Well, I can't be the star. I can't be the model. I can't be the interior decorator, but I'm going to one up on them and I'm going to be the physician to the stars. So I went in dermatology all the way. And, Then I decided that, you know, during my third and fourth year of medical school, actually I should say this, beginning of third year of medical school, my brother passed away, Mm -hmm. okay? And so that was really devastating, and that she has shifted my life in so many ways, now looking back at it all these years later. But when that happened, I thought, hmm, this would be a good time to get some extra quote unquote, accolades that are going to help me be a better dermatology resident while dealing with the process of grief and bereavement. And I absolutely had no idea what I was doing. I just thought I need to be there more for my family and I don't need to be that stressed out in medical school. So I took this time off and I spent a year in Botswana doing medical research that ended up, morphing into telemedicine research, but it started off as a dermatology research. And as I was doing it, I realized that this is not for me, like going in and out every day, looking for cancer. It's for someone, but it's not for me. I needed more. I needed more surgery, really. That's where I started off. I thought I needed more surgery. So I started reshadowing different, um, specialties in Botswana, and I ran up on this doctor who did what they call see and treat. See and treat is how they manage cervical cancer health or cervical cancer prevention in third world countries. They use acetic acid, which is known as table vinegar. They pour it into the vagina, they look for changes in the cells. And if there is a change, they treat it immediately because they know that once they have an active patient, that might be it for a lifetime.
0: Wow.
1: It's, that's what they did. And I thought this was amazing. Botswana is the second highest country in terms of the incidence and prevalence of HIV. And when you have HIV, your, your immune system is compromised. So you tend to have Diseases and conditions that many people can fight off, and that includes changes in your cervix, and that can lead to cervical cancer. And cervical cancer can be very devastating. It can be devastating to not just who a woman is, but how you see yourself, because many women end up having radiation therapy. They can't have intercourse. They can't have kids. Some of them end up with what we call a Barbie, Barbie pelvis. Mm-hmm with no vagina. So I thought, this was this is it. That was if your only, calling. That was when you knew. That was my aha moment. This is it. If only I can do one thing in this world, and that is to help prevent cancer in women so that they can continue to live their lives as women,
2: mm-hmm.
1: this is it. And that's how I made my decision. So
0: that was a long well it was well it was long but it was it's it's beautiful right because it's kind of funny you have this moment like you you were very honest that like there were moments where you're like you're a little cocky right you were you had moments where it was about the accolades and it was about I want to be the doctor to the stars and then you have this experience that's firsthand and you know I'm sorry to hear of your brother I'm sure that um, it sounds like in a very short period of time, there were a lot of things that happened that kind of changed your focus. Do you, th- do you think it changed you as a person during that period of time as well?
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness. It changed me as a person in so many ways. Um, first of all, remember I told you that at age 21, I started thinking about a legacy, right? Mm-hmm. And the last conversation I had with my brother was a three-hour car ride where our other brother was in the back asleep. And he had this conversation where he, like, talked about how he wants to raise his kids, how he wanted us to sort of, like, take care of our parents. And, like, you know, we all have these ambitions to live somewhere else in the world. So he wanted to go move to Singapore. And he was in law school at the time, so he was finishing off law school. And he had this job offer in Singapore. And so he was thinking okay, well, if I go to Singapore, that means that you need to do residency close by until I'm done with Singapore so that we can kind of shuffle around. Because our older um, siblings were in, are in Nigeria. So we were like just working around those thoughts. And he, he had a lot of things. So with that, that, that experience of losing him, I felt the need to carry on his legacy as well as mine. And that really changed me. But it wasn't only advantageous. I also did not get into a serious relationship for six years after him. And I would say that I didn't get into a serious relationship because I was in relationships. And I was even proposed to twice in that in that you know span of time. I just could not give my heart yeah. if my heart was already shattered. Yeah. So I know that now I can never articulate this to you eloquently in the moment, in the, in the process. And that is really something that has created a really empathetic person, right? I went from being a quote-unquote, like, I had it all. I didn't really have a lot of struggles. It got me to the point where I can really identify with people who have had loss,
2: mm-hmm. who
1: had had tremendous loss, and so it made me so much better of a person, and I will dare say so much better as a physician.
0: Well, I can only imagine because now for the first time, you have you can sit across the table from someone and, and empathize with them rather than seeing them as a case to be treated. Um, it creates the empathy I think we all hope for when we have a doctor-patient relationship. I, my doctor, I've been with him, my OBGYN, for over 20 years. Um, and I adore him <laughs> because I feel seen by him. Um, I didn't even realize that when we sit down, when I first get to his doctor, the doctor appointment every year, he asks me a bunch of questions. And I was always like, oh, he spends all this really sweet time with me before we get started. I didn't realize like he's checking my mental health, my emotional health, my family situation, wanting to see because he doesn't see me but once a year wanting to see who I am and how I'm doing. And I only got a glimpse of that when his nurse accidentally shared something from my chart that he had written the previous year um, about something I had gone through uh, in my relationship. And I'm like, I didn't even realize um, that the the doctors, the physicians, especially those that have empathy and come to or are called to this profession to help others – that there was that level of that level of understanding that level of care, so that really struck me, and like I, I see from what's you've, you're putting out there on Instagram from your podcast and what have you that you want to really use your platform and your experience and your education to help empower women to understand their bodies better to understand their relationship with the world better. Uh, I'm curious about your practice and and how that looks and what it looks like as you're bringing on patients. Um, how those experiences that you had when you had your aha moment, you realized this was your calling, how that kind of correlates to the, the practice that you have today.
1: So that's a really interesting question because I'm in such infancy in building my practice. So I opened a, a practice in June of this year in Mansfield, Texas. And the reason why I chose to do this, as opposed to getting a nice, cushy job where I had a lot of... Um, partners, or working for hospital where I did shift work. I chose to do this because I think that creating or curating an experience with a physician who really cares about you, who's willing to go the extra mile to make sure that you achieve your goals is so necessary, and I see it as a uh, resurrection. So in my opinion, and it's very humble opinion, um, medicine has gone through a lot of ups and downs, and taken a lot of twists and turns. And where we are now is where the patient has to be the center of your care. It didn't always, it wasn't always like this. But there's a new generation of physicians that really believes that we have to create a situation where patients are incorporated in their care so that they have better adherence and so that we're not throwing things at them that don't really, that will never stick.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Finding new ways, better ways, more innovative ways to translate either age-old evidence-based medicine or newer cutting-edge techniques. Mm -hmm. And that's where I thought I lie. Is if I create this experience, which I want patients, I want to be able to know that you're taking, you know, St. John's Wort, or you see a spiritual healer or like all these things that are, are deemed non-traditional and almost in a way taboo. I wanna know those things so that we can take care of you in a way that actually has impact in your life. Mm. I wanna know if you're living in your car. I wanna know if you just had a loss. I wanna know if you're shooting up heroin. I need to know that because that's the only way that I can really figure out what your risks are, what we can prevent, what we can do secondary prevention, meaning you already have this issue and we can prevent it from getting worse. And how we can impact your life in a positive way. And I knew that I could do that with minimum um, red tape, let's say. Mm -hmm. I have red tape. Oh, for sure. You know, but it's not in the way that it could have been An overpowering here. I'm allowed to really be a good doctor. I'm allowed to spend 45 minutes with my patients because I'm... I'm allowed to do that.
0: Yeah. You're in charge of the schedule. You don't have anyone else who's like, hey, bottom line, we've got to make sure you don't have those restrictions. So you're actually able to create a, a, a curated patient care experience. Has there been anything surprising to you as you meet with patients or um, when it comes to the questions that people ask you? I'm sometimes shocked when I watch these um These shows that have to do with uh, doctor-patient relationships, or even um, some podcasts where people don't really understand how their bodies work, even today. And I'm curious, like, what kind of is there anything that's surprising as you're starting your own practice, as you're bringing patients in, and as you're communicating them uh, with them? I am so excited to finally announce what I am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media, and I couldn't be more thrilled. Live is an app that will launch Christmas 2019. I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who want so deeply to use tech for good, and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my Gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me, so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. Through mindfulness and accountability offerings, including meditation, breath work, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching, LIV will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life, leveling up in every aspect. Live meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live, so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge, a thoughtful guide, and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way to create, to pay it forward, because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code GOLDVIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP, in all caps. Join the movement. Like, what kind of, is there anything that's, surprising as you're starting your own practice, as you're bringing patients in, and as you're communicating them uh, with them?
1: I wouldn't even say that now. I'm shocked at anything I trained. Um, I did my residency at uh, MedStar Washington Hospital Center, Georgetown University Hospital. And so that residency program affords us three main hospitals and other subsidiaries. So we end up getting this robust experience in the middle of DC where I think sometimes I wondered what country I was in. Mm -hmm. So you have, I have seen it all. I have like, there's like literally almost nothing, almost nothing I haven't seen, but I'll tell you one of my, um, most interesting, shocking things. And I got this on Instagram that you'll be surprised. I actually get a lot of weird things on Instagram, but, Obviously, I don't offer medical care if I don't have a medical um, patient, a physician-patient relationship, Mm -hmm. but there are some basic things that I can respond to. For instance, I had a patient or a patient, a person, she's 27 years old and she lives in the Middle East. I'll make it that broad. Okay. She's a, she's a, an Orthodox Islamic woman who wears hijab. So she Sent, sent me a message, which ended up being in the middle of the night for me, so I didn't see it until a couple of hours later. So she sent a couple more frantic messages. Apparently, she had had um, contact with a man for the first time. And she called me asking me what she should, or she sent me this message asking me what she should do. And so I, in the process of me getting all this information from her, come to find out there was some breast and he ejaculated on her chest. And she was 100% sure at 27 years old that she was going to get pregnant. Oh, my God. And this is the the truth, because a lot of different cultures, and even in the United States, a lot of cultures, we um, manage sex through fear. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so we create all these things that, create fear, but encourage ignorance and encourage lack of power from a woman because she doesn't know what she, type of power she has. And so, of course, I explained to her, that's not how you get pregnant and what walked her through it. But um, it just mean, it just highlighted some of the things that I, I knew already. When I was doing my ma- master's um, in public health, I used to go from um, barbershop to barbershop talking to men about prostate cancer. Hmm. Beauty beauty um, salon to beauty salon talking to women about what they knew about breast cancer, like their knowledges, their practices. And as you start to do that, of course you're going to not just stick to your research, but you veer up to other things. And you try to, I start asking questions like, you know, a lot of women, grandmother age, Raised their granddaughters. And so they were doing things like they would bring their granddaughter into the um, doctor's office to the gynecology appointment and be really surprised that she had gonorrhea or chlamydia mm-hmm. because she was on birth control. And that idea that there's still STDs to be protected against, there's a whole generation of people who don't really realize that.
0: That's, it's so it's so amazing to me because one of the things that I've worked so hard to do is kind of help people pull out their unconscious messaging, their generational cultural messaging. That they pass on generationally, and one of the biggest conversations has been around talking about bodies and sex. And if a mother or a grandmother has any limiting beliefs about their body, negative self-talk, doesn't understand how it worked, or the parents didn't explain how their bodies functioned or talked about sex, they were more likely not only to um, be promiscuous, have early and unwanted pregnancy, end up in abusive relationships. There were All of these things happened because there was a lack of education that was being passed generationally because that was during a time where you don't really talk about those things and maybe you didn't understand them either. Because for some reason, people believed you brought up a girl and you didn't talk about certain things. You just knew that it was wrong. And then when she got married, she was allowed to do those things, but she's ill-equipped. And it's just, it's driven me crazy as I've interviewed women for my own project and they're like, I didn't know what my body did. I just knew it was something that I gave to a man. This is a woman who's 40 years old. And, you know, you're just, it's, it's so shocking to me. And that's why I think I loved when I came across your podcast, because I think it's an open forum for women to go and listen and not be ashamed to hear what what they can expect because I, we have very clinical experiences many times when we go to the doctor thankfully I love my doctor but not everyone has the same experience or the same access and you go to the doctor you're, you're given maybe a prescription and a piece of paper that explains what's happened to you and you're searching for answers maybe there's some shame and embarrassment but you're giving people an outlet to have that information. And I think that that's really powerful. Um, what What's it been like for you to get this podcast out there and to help women? And, and what's the response been?
1: So I started off this podcast in the process when I was building my practice. So I was building two babies at once. Mm. And I needed it. Let me tell you, I needed it because I needed intellectual stimulation in the boring, drama like picking out furniture <laughs> right I can't believe I ever wanted to do that for a living but it's evident in my practice my style but at the same time I was building this thing so I needed it because I was now intellectually engaged right mm-hmm. because I think that one of the things we do is we pick careers that have different things but you need to be intellectually stimulated in order for you to love your job mm-hmm. and that is what I got from from starting this podcast, but as I was building it, I had put on these like weird goals. They were goals that stemmed from what I saw everyone else doing. So I thought, okay, in a year, I want to put out 40 podcasts. That would allow me, episodes, that would allow me to have some weeks off and, you know, if something happens, I want to have 10,000 downloads because I thought that's what, and there were numerical goals, but I'm a goal-oriented uh, person, so I thought this was great. But I started off and I was talking about just women's health issues that that I wanted to... It was almost like a lecture, in mm-hmm. a sense, with some quirks, but a lecture nonetheless. And then I talked about, on my fourth episode, I talked about sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I talked about sexual assault is because I had a friend who came to visit me from Nigeria, and she was in America for two weeks, and in that process, she got raped. Mm-hmm. And that became my, I was so affected by this because she sacrificed her money and her time to come see me and something bad happened. Wow. And she had to go back to Nigeria. So I worked with the lawyers. I went to the grand jury uh, and testified. And when all that happened, I realized that when people get, she told me, she's actually a physician and she told me that she was not prepared for the same nurse's exam. She felt more violated than when she was actually raped. And so I wanted to give a medical perspective. Like, okay, if you get raped, what do you expect is going to happen? When are you going to be on HIV medication? Like, she was on HIV medication. She thought it was the worst thing because she couldn't drink. She couldn't party. She couldn't do anything. She was having all these side effects. And she felt, and she, she has every right to feel this way, she did nothing wrong. Right. Yep. And in the same time, the person who was the assailant had everyone calling us trying to get us to not pursue the case. And so there's all this going on at the same time. So I talked about it from a medical perspective, but I felt deflated because I wanted to talk about it from a women's rights perspective, from a misogyny, from a culture, from all these other social issues. And I felt like my podcast wasn't made for that. So I reached out to a friend who was my most recent guest actually on my podcast. And I, and I talked to her and she has a, she used to have a podcast. She doesn't do it anymore. Um, called girls, the girls like me. And so it was a feminist podcast that talked about women's empowerment, particularly in Africa. And so I, you know, reached out to her cause I thought her platform was perfect for mine. And she said, I don't do the podcast anymore. But even if I did, I wouldn't let you come on my podcast and talk about what you wanted to talk about. (laughs) You come on and talk about what I want to talk about. And she said, because you have your own platform and you should allow yourself the grace to be able to address topics that truly affect women just like you. And since then, I have done a lot of interviews, actually 52 interviews where I have gone into depth with women and I have learned the most fascinating things about people's journeys, about people's failures, about the ability to get up and move on, to be persistent, to be disciplined, and also how they have had the opportunity to affect change in their communities. That, to me, has been the biggest lesson I've learned. I've been empowered every single, every single interview. I get empowered. I get motivated, inspired to move my needle towards success, even if it's a little bit further.
0: I love that. I love that because she gave you permission to kind of flex the parameters that you thought that you were boxed into. And you can just hear the joy in your voice from the content that you've been able to not only create, but be inspired by. And I've been asked several times about my podcast and it's the most fun that I have in all of the things that I do because I get to talk to these amazing people and ask them about their stories and and offer up these these conversations for others to also feel inspired by. There's something that's just – it's like a a pay it forward and I don't think people realize that when you get into podcasting, there's just – it it pumps you up when you get to have an engaging conversation and share it with someone else. Um, I wanted to ask you too because I know that this came up um, previously – um, and you just kind of mentioned it again. When we talk about having women in our life or conversations that spur us forward or that inspire us, I want to get into the concept of, of finding mentors because I think that's one of the things that's been really interesting to me is um, especially in this age of social media. So I was just interviewed recently um, about social media and its effect on women and girls and how if we're not conscientious about the things that we're seeing and absorbing and taking in, we're basically surreptitiously being mentored by influencers, by people on social media, by advertising, what have you. And my argument was, you need to actively look for mentors and role models and help your children find people who are not YouTube celebrities and what have you, but to find people who are doing the things that they aspire to do, whether that's to be an athlete or an astronaut or a tennis champion or whatever that is, let's help them find those mentors. And I know that that. That's an important conversation for you as well. So I'm curious about what your advice is to people when you're you're having the conversation about what a good mentor looks like and how to go find one.
1: That's awesome. I love that question. I love that question so much because we have made social media out to be the monster. So I'll start there. Um, I don't see it that way. You have the right to do how to move, however you want to, in your physical life. And in your virtual life, okay. So I think that social media has afforded you the opportunity to to create your own like type of people, your own people, mm-hmm. right? And in life, it's whomever you come across. But here now, you have a platform where you can come across whomever, and you can choose the type of people that are going to feed you mentally and push you forward. And you have the opportunity to reach forward and look back. And that's what I love about social media. And so my very first mentor was not chosen, it was forced. I came out of her vagina (laughs) and she is a physician also. And I don't think I realized until probably a year or two ago, how the effect of modeling as an African woman moving in America in a professional space, how that really has impacted me. Mm. So I think first of all, first and foremost, is parents need to be very, very conscientious about the way that they model behavior for the, it's not, you can't do the whole um, do as I say, not as I do, because kids don't separate that. and. It's so evident in my relationship with my mom because she doesn't do, she preaches and she does. And so when my mother would say things like, you are destined to be the top of your class and not the bottom of your class, she would say that and then she would do it. So she would say, you never give up. She says things like, she says it in our language, which means like, you know, push till the end like don't give up you, the race isn't one till it's over
2: mm-hmm.
1: my mother went back to residency at age 51 it doesn't end until it's over
2: mm-hmm.
1: so the things that so that was the first thing but then now so because of that I realized like there is some importance in modeling behavior and in verbalizing it so that's what, how I live so I talk about working out I post my working out videos. My brother cringes every single time because he's like, <laughs> I "Don't have full clothes on." But I was like, "Look at her! She is strong. You are so strong.
0: I, I love do that." I
1: tell my patients to do. I tell my patients that you know. I tell my friends, my everyone that you know, I will talk to you about your appearance and how you present yourself to the world. And I do it. Mm-hmm. You'll never catch me without you know lashes and lip gloss even when i'm waking up it's just there i woke up like this well, <laughs> i love it you know, i tell i i i kind of have learned that from watching my mom and the importance of mentorship is not everybody was as blessed as me in this sense to be born to somebody who was going to achieve and had achieved. My mom was a physician two, three years before I was born. So I already saw that, but most people aren't, right? And so most people are not second generation anything. There are people that are, and those people tend to already have this together. But I watched that. I also watched the fact that my, mo- my mother did not work for 11 years and invested in her children right? So there's, I've watched so many things. So I choose to mentor. I choose to be mentored because I see the significance in both. And I tell people the best thing to do when you decide I want to, men- I want to now start getting leadership and help is reach out to someone two years above you 5 years above you and 10 years above you because somebody like me 10 years above most people that are trying to get into medicine or plus I don't remember we don't even take the same we didn't take the same MCAT mm. I took paper and pencil so I cannot tell you on a micro level how to study for the MCAT I can tell you on a macro level what sacrifices you need to make how long you should study I can write a recommendation letter for you But things like that, I can't tell. But someone that's two years ahead of you knows that. And why did I say not someone one year ahead of you? They don't have the twenty twenty hindsight that we all discuss. They barely just got up and they're now floating. And so they tend not to be the best mentors because a lot of their mentorship is now seeped in the bias that they just suffered through what you're about to suffer through. But two years plus... They tend to have now start to reap the benefits, so they can give you un- unbiased or slightly biased advice that can push you forward towards your goals.
0: I love now- that because they don't have the perspective yet, and you're looking for someone who has perspective, not to not to hold your hand through, but to yes. give you perspective and, and teach you the grander lessons. Yes, and now that
1: to tie it all together is, I think, shoot your shot, girl. <laughs> Share a shot. Slide in that DM. You might slide into 10 people's DMs that block you, that don't respond. But all you need is one. And this is where you need to, but come a little bit more correct. If the person has an email, it's okay to email that person without sending them a direct message, because they have an email there. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for it. It's okay to, but when you're coming, don't have improper English. Don't say, here I am, save me from this mire of despair. (laughs) You need to say, you know, I'm applying to medical school. I'm looking for a shadowing opportunity. Do you have a shadowing opportunity for me? I'm in Austin, Texas. You are in Austin, Texas. That seems to me like someone who understands what they need. Or you say to, the person says to you, hey, I don't really know how I, how much I can learn from you, but I want to learn from you because I want to be in your shoes in so, so, and so here. And that is okay because you, you also don't know what you don't know. And this person might say to you, well, I'm a bit full right now. My plate is too full to give back. There are some people that are horrible mentors, right? They are the type of people that cannot look through your things and identify gaps in knowledge. They are really good clinicians or they are really good practitioners, but they don't know how, and that's okay. It's not everybody's calling. That person isn't for you. And at least they're being honest and not wasting your
0: time. Yeah. No, And I love what you said about modeling because I think that that's, that's really, really huge. And it's like when you're looking for, for a mentor, sometimes there are people who are a little out of your reach, right? Maybe they don't answer back, but maybe through their – their example you're also learning right you're also kind of um assimilating or observing and kind of taking on i I, there's a woman that i absolutely adore and she doesn't know that i think of her as like my second mom we're not that not that tight but i just she's very successful and i have watched her handle really ugly situations and uncomfortable situations with such grace and dignity that while we don't go out for coffee and talk about it because i see that modeled behavior I'm like, that's how I want to be in in harder situations, like when I've got conflict looming or things like that. So even if you can't get that person who's maybe at the top of their game, looking at that modeled behavior I think is also huge, whether it's parent or mentor. Yes. I love it. I- I, it's so funny. I was actually, I'm giving a speech for the Girl Scouts um, about um, the difference between influence and mentorship and parenting. And one of the things I talk about is modeled behavior, how it's fine to verbalize thing, things, but people really pay attention to who you are, your actions and how you show up and why it's so important that the the actions and the way that we speak behind the scenes also matches the verbalization because kids especially are able to see the difference between.
1: Oh, yes. They actually learn more from modeling because let me let me give you an example. If you have a toddler anywhere between um, 14 months and 20 months and you look at them and you tell them wink, they're going to stare right back at you. Try winking and see what they do. Mm-hmm. They're going to try their hardest to do the same exact thing you just did. They're going to wink both eyes. They're going to grimace their face. They're going to do everything you just did. And that is the power of modeling.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, so I have, I have two questions that I ask everyone and I'm very curious because I know that you did a podcast episode on this. Um, You gave advice to your younger self and I am very much into tapping into that younger version of ourselves. And if you were to look back, no matter what age she is, 22 or any other age, and you were to see her, what does she need from you and what would you say to her?
1: I would say to her,
0: no is just a word.
1: The feelings that are associated with no, I am definitely afraid of. Mm, Rejection. Rejection. I'm so scared of being told no. And in fact, because of that, I have taken very calculated risks. Some would even say that I've taken no risks. I have just done what I knew I could do. But sometimes I think it is... I think in life, you haven't lived until you've taken risks. So I would tell my younger self, girl, live. Mm. Girl, live.
0: I love that. That's very powerful. Two, Two words. If you were to be leaving this earth and you wanted to leave behind some wisdom or inspiration, a gold nugget for the next generation that comes after you, what would it be?
1: It would be chase your dreams, go after it, live fearlessly. And the reason why I say that is we are in the era of the most opportunity ever. You and I can pick up a mic, and I used to sit on the bottom of the floor in my closet and podcast. So that was the most quiet place. And you can do that, you can pick up an a phone and video yourself and put yourself on YouTube, someone can discover you. You have the most opportunity. You're not like when I was a kid having to go into the library and read tons and tons of books just to get any information. Google university, sis. Google university. So there is so much at our fingertips, so move, gra- grasp on, nothing is that serious. Like. Keep going, go after it. That's the legacy I want to live, and that's what I teach everyone I come in contact with, and that's what I most importantly teach myself.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Nothing is that serious, and yeah, it's fantastic. If people want to find you, where should I send them? Where should they Where should they find you on the interwebs?
1: Okay, so mm-hmm. I have um, a my my personal. Um, Instagram, which is all I use really, is Instagram is I a M that A R U M A L A. You know, if you follow me, you'll see our website popping up in the next one or two weeks, but that's where we are right now. Um, and I have chose to do mono social media and because I love pictures. So I stuck with Instagram, but it is, I almost close almost every day now, so I
0: love it. And your podcast is Pretty in Pink on Apple, and um, I will. Spotify and SoundCloud, yes. Wonderful, and we'll we'll make sure to put everything in the show notes so that people know where to reach you and can link through. And thank you so much for being on Gold today and sharing your golden nuggets of wisdom and inspiration. It was a true pleasure talking to you. So thank you, I appreciate you.
1: I had a blast. This was fun.
0: I love Dr. Arumala's encouragement to move, girl, and that nothing is that serious. You can find Dr. Arumala on Instagram at i.am.dr.arumala or at Pretty and Pink on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. Gold listeners, don't forget to sign up for your 30-day Live VIP experience at loveisviral.com, code goldvip. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Pick up my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.